on the block on demand. Without Jerry McNamara, we wouldn't have won 10 games this year. Okay? Not 10. Two seconds and one. It's 10 wins in a row for the Crunch. It's the biggest upset in the Carrier Dome in more than 30 years as the Orange hold off the defending national champions. They beat Clemson. The Bills make me wanna shout. McCoy in the backfield takes the handoff, runs up the middle, breaks a tackle. He's inside the 10, cuts to the left, into the end zone. Buffalo wins. Back to full. Red Sox fans have longed to hear it. The Boston Red Sox are world champions. Somebody in Vegas told them they were going to win by 20. They'll look at the positive side of things once in a while instead of the negative all the time. This is On the Block. Here's X-Men. ESPN Radio, 97.7, 100.1 ESPN Radio, Utica, Rome. Oh, you know it, baby. Now heard on 96.5 FM. Great to have Utica along for the ride as always. Or uh, maybe you're on a ride somewhere across this great land of ours. Finally decided to drive across the country. Don't know why you'd want to do that in the middle of January, but hey, I'm not judging. If you are doing that or somewhere where maybe you can't listen to us in a traditional sense, well, see, the the thing about that is it's 2019, kids, and you can't get away from us even if you try. Because right there on your smartphone, you most likely have the ESPN app. And if you don't, you should for a number of reasons, including the uh, listen tab you will find located there on the ESPN app. You find us on the listen tab and off you go. and We can go with you. It's a beautiful thing. I would also uh, remind you that you can listen on your time on demand whenever you want. Just subscribe to the ESPN Syracuse podcast in iTunes, and you can get it that way. Lots of great ways to listen to the show. Here's how you participate it into it today, and that is this 437-7644, a magical phone number that will connect you right here on the airwaves of ESPN Radio Syracuse. You can go home tonight and tell mom you're on the radio. I get to do that every day. You can do it sometimes. Brent Axe Media, Brent Axe Media on Twitter. The text line, always a great way to fire off uh, a quick hot take. That's hot. Get your face in your phone anyway. And that is uh, 2880644. We have one guest who will join us today. Always uh, good to catch up with our good friend Chris Carlson, Syracuse.com. See what he's been writing about. Get his thoughts on Syracuse uh, basketball, certainly. He had a great conversation Recently with Dino Babers is, you know, football is certainly fading out of our minds right now, other than that big national championship game tonight. And I'm trying to decide where Syracuse football should finish in my final AP poll tonight, because I've got obviously most of the poll done. It's just a matter of who goes one and who goes two. And it's going to be Alabama one, Clemson two or Clemson one, Bama two, depending on the result of last night's game. So we got pretty much things all set. Just have to hit send. And they do tell us to hit send immediately after the game. So i got to have the poll done and then just kind of see how the national title game works out and go from there. So what is the most worthy 
ranking for your Syracuse football orange because we know the results of every other college football bowl game up to this point. That's a good little thing to fire off on the text line if or Twitter. And many of you have done that already. I asked that question on Twitter earlier today. I got a lot of responses from people because it's easy. You just throw a number at me, right? It's Monday. I don't ask too much of you on a Monday. Especially some of you are getting back in the swing of things today after an extended holiday break. Some of us kind of slowly eased our way back in last week. We only did two shows, and, you know, we kind of just sometimes you jump in the pool and sometimes you kind of have to wade your way in. We waded our way back in. But we're back today, baby, and a lot of you are back, so. Where do you think Syracuse should finish in that poll? I mean, they're definitely a top 15 team. If you don't have Syracuse as a top 15 team in your final poll, I don't know what to tell you. <laughs> I really don't because the way certain teams lost on the back end of the top 10 in early part of, of the top 15, you know, teams that are in kind of that 8 to 13 range that lost. And if you don't have Syracuse in the top 15, then what are we doing here? So we will discuss that. Certainly some Syracuse basketball on our minds after, wow, that's how you get off on the right foot in ACC play, right? They pretty much checked every box they needed to against Notre Dame. We will discuss not only with Chris Carlson, but with you throughout the show. Hot takes as usual. The blind side as usual. We mentioned Bama and Clemson. We will certainly dig into that game as we go through. Bears fans, how are you feeling today? You guys okay? I'm worried about you Bears fans. Do you know that they actually changed that to a blocked field goal from a just missed double doink? I don't know if that makes you feel any better. For the lead, ball put down, right-footed kick is up, end over end. And now he hit the crossbar after he hit the upright. He hit the upright again. He's done it all season long. Oh, Kevin Harlan on the call there. That's painful. That is pain. Bears fans, I hate to rub it in, but you know, everybody listening to me right now knows a Bears fan. Every single one of you knows a Chicago Bears fan, and uh, they didn't have a good day. So we'll try and take it easy on you, ball. Wading into what happened in the NFL playoffs this weekend, but uh, as mentioned, certainly we start with Syracuse. And you look, there's 17 of these things to go. People still have questions. They still have some doubts. They still have you know a broad view to look at here, as you should. But it's nice when you see Syracuse play a complete game. And it's nice when you see Syracuse do something that some of us, Seth Everett, doubt can happen in ACC play, and that is that Syracuse can get better in ACC play. They can improve. They can wade their way through. Yes, a tough conference, but as I broke down on the show Friday, look, it's a tough conference. Nobody is brushing anything aside, but there's a lot of teams in the ACC that Syracuse certainly can beat. They can't get better as a team at, and don't take this as the ACC's overrated. It's not. But there's some bad teams in the ACC that you can rack up some wins against. If you're just looking at numbers, like you need 11 ACC wins to feel safe to get in the tournament, that's certainly possible. Then I saw Zion Williamson dunk against Clemson this weekend, and I said, ooh, that's, ooh, okay. Wow, that's, boy, I would hate to play them like next week. What's that? They play Duke next week. Okay, so let's just not think about that right now. Let's think about Notre Dame. Let's think about one game in. And what Syracuse did in that game is they checked every box they had to. Offense, one of their better performances of the season, certainly from the three-point line. 
your big three, and I would dare to include Frank Howard in the big four. I don't know how much longer I can include him in that conversation, but for now we certainly will. He's a senior, and nobody's writing him off. He's going to play. It's not like Jim Beham's going to forget about him anytime soon. But he does have Jalen Carey nipping at his heels. There's no question about that. And that's something I want to discuss with Chris Carlson later. Chris was writing some stuff off of the ACC teleconference today that Jim Beheim was on, and I thought Jim had something really interesting to say about Frank and Jalen and that dynamic and how much Frank is helping Jalen Carey and the dynamic that's there. What it boils down to is this is a good problem to have. And they're not going to abandon Frank Howard anytime soon, for those of you that you know have dreams of that happening. They're not. But there's got to be a way for them to work in concert because Jalen has at least earned that. So, you know, put that aside. We'll come back to that later. But the big three were all big. And what I liked about that game was Tyus Battle was very much in the conversation. Tyus Battle hit a lot of big shots in that game. But you don't have to chalk this up as a game where he had to shoulder the load. And I like that. And the reason is Elijah Hughes. And with O'Shea Brissett right behind. But this was a game. When Elijah Hughes says, I got this. You're going to give me these open shots. I'm going to hit them. You're going to let me set, square, follow through, give me open looks. Notre Dame just did not respect Syracuse's three-point shooting, and why would they? Syracuse was the worst three-point shooting team coming into this game in the ACC. But they made him pay this time. You got a nice balanced off uh, effort, pardon me, from O'Shea Brissett. Hit three three-pointers in the first half, so he had to respect that. Saw some openings to get inside. So I, what I liked about this game, amongst many things, was your big three were all big, but you didn't need Tyus to shoulder the load. He was part of something. Because there's going to be games in ACC play when O'Shea's not having that kind of night or is being defended well. Elijah Hughes has been the model of consistency lately. He has scored at least 15 points in seven straight games, but we all know that streak's going to end at some point, particularly because of how smart ACC coaches are. And they're going to say, yeah, we might want a key on that guy over there. But Hughes being the extra piece to the puzzle is what we saw on Saturday, that Syracuse has enough players in that lineup that you have to respect as if they were a number one threat. Tyus, O'Shea, and Elijah all fit that category. And my open-ended question is, do enough ACC teams have three really good defenders or some sort of defensive plan to counter all that? And the answer to that is no. The answer to that is some. The answer to that is a few. The answer to that is, you know, you got to count on one of those three having a bad night, which everybody's inevitably going to do in conference play or otherwise. So you had a balanced offensive effort. You had a really good defensive effort in the second half. In the first half, Notre Dame had seven threes. They were on their game. They kind of threw the first punch, put Syracuse in a 10-point hole. Syracuse fought their way out of it. But the second half defense was great. And it wasn't Notre Dame went cold. It was all, I shouldn't say all, but it was mostly Syracuse. Pushing out on the three-point line, moving the defense, making adjustments. It was fascinating to me that Syracuse did not get to the free throw line until there was four minutes and 13 seconds remaining in that game. 
very apropos because it's currently 4.13 p.m. Didn't even plan that. But that's incredible to me. And I'm glad that this is a side note. It is barely on the list worth mentioning. But you certainly have to note that because I don't know how you play 36 minutes of a college basketball game and don't get to the free throw line. That That's like darn near impossible. So it just paints a picture of, let's just say how inconsistent college basketball officiating has been this year. But I'm glad it was a side note and not a storyline. And Syracuse scored enough, did enough on defense themselves, found so many ways around that that it was just a footnote, but one you've got to bring up because that's just fascinating to me. I can't remember the last time that that's happened. Certainly the first time this year that Syracuse did not take a free throw and a half. That occasionally happens. I can see going through a half, you don't get to the free throw line. That that happens. And by the way, I don't want to spend too much time complaining about that because if Notre Dame's getting to the free throw line, what did they get there? I think 17 times in that game. And Syracuse only went five. That means the game is flowing and the refs aren't getting in the way and they're only calling what they absolutely need to. But there is extremes here. There's sides of the spectrum. And that's just incredible to me. So what Syracuse did is they got a win on the road. Whether that turns into a quadrant one or quadrant two win remains to be seen. That thing's in flux. They had to know what it feels like to win on the road. Of all the things that we've looked at the Syracuse offense and said, that's not good, here's something that is good. In their true road wins this season, and there are two of them, Ohio State and Notre Dame, those are the two best three-point shooting performances that Syracuse has had. That's good because you've got to bank that. You've got to know what that feels like when you've got to go other places on the road, like Georgia Tech coming up. You do have four of your next five at home, starting with Clemson on Wednesday, but you know certainly winning on the road will be important for Syracuse to get to that magical 11 number. Maybe it's 10, but certainly in the double-digit category. Now that they have that in the bank and know what that is like, what a team will do to defend Syracuse, and I think teams will defend Syracuse a little bit more closely from the three-point line than what we're going to see going forward. For a team that has struggled the way that Syracuse has on offense, they needed to bank a lot of things from that Notre Dame game. So that's the positive in that. Here's Jim Beheim, by the way, talking about, uh, to go back to Elijah Hughes and how good his performance was. He's been shooting the ball well, so I mean, I think he didn't shoot it that much better than what he's capable of. He's been shooting around the 40-some percent lately. Um, I thought he, he did rebound better. We rebounded a little bit better as a team. Uh, but, uh, you know, he's a good player. It's just he's, he didn't play that much his freshman year. He was hurt a lot at East Carolina. And obviously sat out last year. So, you know, he's in just into this season, 14 games. So he's a good player. I think he, he will get better. One more from Beheim here. He noted that this team is shooting better. It's certainly made easy when Notre Dame backed off as much as they did. But as I said, Syracuse is not in a beggars can't be choosers category. I just saw a, a comment on Twitter from, let's see, MC. I don't know if I can even read that out loud. <laughs> but the tweet says, we beat an undermanned Notre Dame team that will finish near the basement. Uh Uh-huh. Well, you got to beat the teams that are on your schedule. 
Losing a game like that would not be a good idea. But a lot of the things that I just brought up, I think, are noteworthy. Shooting well on the road, banking a road win, having you know all the boxes checked. Like You need those games because they're not all going to go that smooth. And in the ACC, if you have an undermanned Notre Dame team or you have a this, that, or the other thing, you've got to take advantage of those things because you're going to play teams like Duke coming up. And I, I don't know if you saw Duke beat Clemson, but uh, low mama. 437-7644, Brent Dax Media on Twitter. The text line is 2880644. So we'll come back to that, certainly. We've got some NFL playoffs to get into. Not a good day to be a Bears fan, but a lot of good football over the weekend, at least on Sunday. And when we go over the NFL playoffs, there is one very obvious but one very surprising number that we have to look at. Right now, speaking of numbers, you can see if the stock market is well on its way to recovery here. 2019. It's been taking a Chicago Bears like missing field goals beating as of late. My man Lee Baldwin here to uh, tell us all about that as uh, we bring him on here for the first time in 2019. Hello, Lee. So Brent. it's a little well, late. So, but I can still say Happy New Year because it's the first sure time. You sure can. Uh, it's been a while. I, you know, I kind of left for a couple weeks to try to shore the market up, and uh, I'm back <laughs> digging in there. <laughs> digging in. I like that. They shut down the government, but you're still cruising along. They're trying to fix this. Yeah, thing. I'm not getting paid anything either. But that uh, <laughs> <laughs> a baby. How are uh, we doing uh, today on this this Monday? Well, the stock's finished higher today, so okay. we have big Friday, and okay. it's nice to see some follow through. So we'll take it. We're up for the year 2019 so far. Four days in, uh, I do have a diamond today. That's Roku. R O K U. Uh, think of it as the Chinese Netflix. That was up $8 today uh, for the streaming service. Uh, Dog of the Day goes to Philip Morris, M.O. Uh, they re- recently invested in Jewel. So that's enough to give them a dog right there. There you so, go. Th- there you go. Investing in Jewel did not turn out to be a diamond. <laughs> no, no. I mean, it stuff writes itself these days. It's fantastic. <laughs> Thank you, Lee. Happy New Year, buddy. We'll see you soon, you okay? Thanks, Brent. <laughs> that's Lee Baldwin from LeeBaldwin.com. Or just stop on in. They've got offices in Casanova and Utica to make sure your portfolio have all the diamonds and none of the dogs. We'll break on that note. We brought up uh, the NFL weekend and oh, Bears fans. Come here. You need a hug. Come here. Let's hug it. Come here. Oh, oh big squeeze. Big squeeze. Oh. Yeah, we got to hug it out. Stay right there. You're on the block. ESPN Radio. This is On the Block with Brent Axe. Oh, it sure is. Good use of the 80s bump here. You're welcome. I will give you a... Well, what do you want for your birthday? I'll give you a cupcake or something. If you can name the band that this sings is the song. This is a flock of seagulls. Wow! I only know it because I made this. You know what? I should have thought about that. Called I ran. Darn it. I forgot that the you only put reason these. I made. It's the only reason I know. You're Otherwise, the one I put these in the computer. I would have had no idea. Good job remembering. Yeah. So any big birthday plans there? Uh, no, you know, I've already had like three birthday dinners and four yeah, cakes, man. so I'm good. Yeah, You went to Disney World, you did a whole bunch yeah, of things. You got, yeah. you got a glow-in-the-dark shirt. I know. What I'm, else look, do you I'm, need? What else do I need? So uh-huh. going to get some dinner and watch it's the football game. For the blind side. It's what you need for your birthday right here. Ten questions. Don't know what they are. I'm making Seth work on his birthday. Fire when ready, command. Is there any way the loser of tonight's game falls below number two in your final ballot? Not in my ballot. 
Is there a way they will fall and some dopes bail it? There's 60 of us out there, never doubt. There are a lot of idiots. Okay. Look, Bama and Clemson are number one and number two in some order. No matter what. No matter what happens tonight. End of story. Why is Cliff Kingsbury an NFL head coaching candidate? Oh, I, I completely understand why, to be honest with you. because As a head coaching candidate? As a head coaching candidate. All right. Because we are in an era, despite the low scores of the four playoff games this weekend, offensive gurus are in. Sean McVay, right, came up through the Yank, came, came up through the ranks, young guy. They're looking for the next. It's a copycat league. Who's the next that we can find now? And he checks all those boxes. But he wasn't a good head coach and has no NFL experience. Not to mention he's ridiculously good looking. Sure. It's true. That's the most important qualification. <laughs> I think it's a matter of they like his systems and they figure yeah. like oh, at the NFL level and like so you got the Jets with Sam Darnold and the Cardinals with Josh Rosen who are interviewing Cliff Kingsbury and want him. I get that. that I, makes, I, I do understand. I see. I would totally understand if you said that he was getting hired as an offensive coordinator. But at I least that, Sean had, McVay right came up. That's was my a point. coordinator. Right. Went through the ranks. Did the he thing. had at least coached in the NFL before. Correct. You're biting off more than you can chew. Here. Yeah, I think so. Uh, if Cliff if Cliff Kingsbury gets hired, what veteran defensive coach will be on his staff? Rex Ryan. Let's go. <laughs> I have a better one for you. Except for the Jets, because I don't know if that would happen. A better one for you. What about uh, Rob how do, Ryan? How do you feel about uh, uh, Jeff Fisher? I think you should shut up. Is what is what I think about that. Jeff Fisher <laughs> here to steal more money. Uh, do signs get put up if there's not a reason for said signs? For example, on Twitter today, there was a sign in San Fr- in the San Francisco Stadium where they're playing the championship oh, game tonight. Okay. Yeah. Above a urinal saying, recycled water, do not drink. Those are my favorite. <laughs> that sign Those, is there for a reason. We are so dumb as a society. Like, things, like, it's that like the McDonald's somebody has coffee drank thing. that before. It's, exactly. There's a sign there because someone has done this before. Fantastic. (laughs) If technology had allowed, would your reaction to wide right have gone viral? No, because I just cried. (laughs) I was... I was... How old was I? 11? Oh, that might have gone viral. Would it have gone viral? Maybe. Maybe. No, I just cried. All right. Uh, should the Ravens... You, you know what would have gone viral? My reaction to Super Bowl twenty six. You yes. see that scar on yes. my hand? That's Super Bowl twenty six. That would have gone viral. Yeah. You're right. Uh, should the Ravens have played Joe Flacco? No. Actually, I, I don't think so. Because, I mean, they had seven defensive backs out there. I think they were kind of ready for everything. And I think that Baltimore offense was so limited as it was that putting Flacco in there... He's still working with the same players. There's not a number one big-time Antonio Brown receiver out there that's like, I got no one to throw me the ball. I don't think it would help. Uh, Side note here. Uh, How much time in real time do you think elapsed between Lamar Jackson completions? Like real time, not game time, real time. Like an hour and a half. Would you be surprised if I told you two hours? No. Actually, two, two no. hours, two full hours That's between incredible. completed passes. That, that is incredible. unbelievable. Uh, if NBC had a highlight reel of Cody Parkey hitting upright so readily available <laughs> to play right after he missed last night, 
How was he still on the Bears roster? Sometimes these questions answer these themselves, don't they? That's exactly my point that I made earlier in the show. You do not want that person to be put in a position where he can come on the field with your season on the line in a playoff game. I love that right away they were just like, watch this. The football gods will punish you for this. Yeah. And they had that right, right there. away. Not only that, we played the Kevin Harlan play-by-play call Spanish from Westwood One. The Spanish calls. Amazing. But Kevin Harlan, within 10 seconds of that happening, he's like, he's done this all year. <laughs> yes. It's like everybody collectively at the same time was like, it's like when, you know, you're you're a disappointed parent and you're like, I knew you were going to do this. I knew if I left you alone in the room for 10 minutes, you would eat that cookie. Have you seen the best thing on the internet today? I have not. Uh, describe this for our great okay, listeners. So- <laughs> <laughs> That's great. Okay, so what I'm looking at here is... <laughs> So it says, I have are you, it says, are you a Bears kicker? And there's two squares, yes or no. But the yes square has a bunch of X's on the, bu- on on the, the, on the line, the line as if like it was yes. hitting the upright. Get yes. it? Yes. Get it? Uh, do you have Alabama Clemson fatigue? I absolutely do not. They could play in this game as much as they want because they are. You don't always need the two best teams, but it's kind of cool when you see who we clearly know are the two best teams, because we never get that in the National Football League. No. How often are seed one and seed two in the Super Bowl? Never, right? In college sports, how often are all four number one seeds in the final four? It happens, but it's rare. In college football, it kind of works itself out that we see it a lot. So every time these two teams play, I'm in. Did Dabo Sweeney make the move to Trevor Lawrence solely for tonight's game? Yes, and I remember somebody saying that on these airwaves a few months ago. I do feel smart about that one. That was a good take. You said they put in Trevor Lawrence with the idea eventually he would play Alabama. And that would have experience to play Alabama. So we'll see if that pays off tonight. I agreed with you then, and I agree with you now. All right, last one. Very simple. Bama or Clemson? I've got Clemson to cover. With the points? <laughs> to yeah. cover, yes. I got Cle- I got Bama tonight, but I think Clemson can sneak in the late cover. I'll give you uh, 31-27-ish type of game. And you can hear it right here on you ESPN can. Radio tonight. Back after this. Stay right there. Thank you. Bye-bye.